0: Welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster, and I'm here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? What's up, Adam?
1: How are we doing? How are we doing, everybody? Hopefully, hopefully yeah. everybody is safe after the uh the tropical storm that we uh, that we had. If you are, of course, in its path. If you were not in its path, then you are somewhere else in the continental United States, or maybe perhaps not the continental United States. Uh hopefully you are just Safe in general.
0: Yep. It uh, yep. It affected everything up to and including the fourth wall of our podcast.
1: Literally, the last thing we we're going to talk about.
0: L- yeah. Literally,
1: the very last thing. Yeah, was cut off. And Adam, thank you very much for uh, for closing that one out. As unenthusiastic as you sounded.
0: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I can defend what I I'll defend it, but actually, you know what? I won't. Because,
1: yeah, yeah, no you shouldn't.
0: You can't defend the indefensible.
1: Yeah no, you shouldn't. So um, I do have something that I need to uh, I need to sort of confess here. and I was waiting for the podcast to start uh, before I um, before I came clean. I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about a certain cinematic film. Oh my God. A film that maybe was mentioned once or twice in an episode of a podcast. Or this film, times. Stanley Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut.
0: Yes. I watched the film. Wow. Wow. I'll tell you what. I did wow. not think you were actually going to watch it. I'll be honest. Adam,
1: I said on this podcast, on the record, that I was going to watch the film. I watched the film. Okay. Wow. I
0: Yeah, mean, it's something
1: yikes that was uh that was two and a half hours of my life that i'm not gonna say that i wish i had back but at the same time i kind of sat there and was just like this is like 50 shades poor 50 shades was cool
0: yeah it it's it's a movie that is good from a from if you're looking at it like academically mm-hmm. like cinematically the cinematography you know the set design, stuff, music choices, stuff like that. But when you actually watch it as a moviegoer, you're just like, "This is, this is fucked up."
1: I see. I I don't know if you had said this because I was just initially shocked when I started watching. I realized that it was uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in it.
0: Yes, I did say that. Okay, we looked it up I, on Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, I was I wasn't sure if you had said that. Um, because that, that just blew my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, this is actually like a, a legit film." You know, Tom Cruise, young Tom Cruise, and young Nicole Kidman in it, of course, playing uh, Doctor Bill and Alice Horford. Harford, excuse me, Harford, yeah. Harford.
0: It's just, yeah, it. So, like, overall, I guess you you sound like you're kind of conflicted on your opinion of the movie, whether or not it's a, a good or a bad film.
1: I see I think one one of one of the scenes that I found to be the most uncomfortable in a long line of scenes and I, I won't give too much away um was the scene where Bill goes to the hotel and meets with the uh, the prostitute um what's her name uh Domino Domino and Bill and Domino start doing their thing you know yada yada and then Alice calls Bill and bill has an instant moment of oh fuck what did i what did i just do and then bill pays domino for the for the encounter which did not result in what domino really is in the business of doing and then goes to the jazz club with nick and and then that just whole thing blows up that was like oh yeah that's uh, that's not good but um yeah it was uh i would write i would write that my rotten tomatoes rating i would give that a Six point two three out of ten. I would say that was a uh, it was it was an it was an enjoyable film. I I, I very much enjoyed it. So uh, so thank you, Adam, for uh, turning me on to uh, Eyes Wide Shut, literally and figuratively.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some news and notes, and I guess this this is going to be a recurring. I mean, this is a recurring segment that will not be recurring next episode because the uh, deadline to opt-out is no longer is no longer here. It was yesterday at 4 p.m. And we have the last little bit of opt-outs and one very notable opt-in. So uh, Josh Doxson, the wide receiver for the New York Jets, who was just signed in the offseason from Washington.
1: Big loss. Big loss for you, Adam. I apologize.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been something. Like, I, don't, for from a fantasy perspective, I don't think it was really going to be, like, notable. In the offense, but the fact of the matter is is that the Jets don't have too many wide receivers available right now because uh, no, they do not. yeah. and it just makes one, a position that they didn't have a lot of depth on before, even even shallower. Um, and then we have two offensive tackles, uh, Lucas Liang, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle. Uh, Brad Seating, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive tackle. Uh, Rashawn Melvin, who looked to be like a starting corner for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, he is no—he will not be playing in the 2020 season. And Malcolm Pridgen, the offensive guard for the Cleveland Browns. It kind of rounds out the list of notables. And even more notable than that, Tredavious White, who kind of flooded around with the idea of opting in or opting out rather in the, for 2020 because um, his was his girlfriend's uh, grandfather passed of COVID 19. Correct. And I think personally, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have held it against him, and I don't think anybody should. If he, a lot of a he, lot of
1: people, a lot of people did, a which lot is of the worst did. possible thing.
0: It's because. It, you know, people don't treat athletes like they're human beings. They only see them as commodities and products and stuff like that. But that's a, that's a discussion for a different show. Um, But he has opted in for 2020. So Bill's fans are going to be a bit more happy about that. That they have their starting corner for the season. And yeah, the uh, big note also is that Matthew Stafford apparently had a it was a false positive covid test he's no longer on the uh reserve covid list so yeah i guess back to you back everything was back to normal <laughs> for him
1: yeah for I don't for, know. for Matthew Stafford it's a it's a good sign that it was a a false uh positive there um he he never dropped for me in my rankings i feel like we went over this Um, A couple times when we've talked about Matt Stafford, Uh, he's still my number 12 quarterback. I'm keeping him there. Uh, Not much ever changed. Um, However, things will change if the statuses of Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson don't change, if they remain on that reserve COVID-19 list, Um, which as of now, um, I believe the Lions – they have nothing to to update on the statuses of T.J. Hawkinson and Kenny Galladay, but we still have just about a month until uh, the season starts. So there's uh, there's plenty of time for for both Kenny Galladay and T.J. Hawkinson to uh, to get back onto the uh, onto the field. I have a draft next Friday, so um, as of now, I'm not treating Kenny Galladay or TJ Hawkinson any differently, but anybody that is drafting now, anybody that's drafting next week or two weeks away, um, definitely, you know, keep it tuned into the basement talk podcast fantasy show and we'll keep you updated on, uh, on the conditions, I guess of uh, Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson.
0: Well, it is very funny how timing works considering that we will be talking about the Detroit lions later on in the show yes we will and the last bit of news and notes is that it well i think there's one thing that i want to talk about for henry Ruggs iii the fact that uh john cruden wants to use him primarily in the slot but which is good for him i think he's gonna get. he's that's kind of where he's he was used in college correct at alabama correct but the other thing, Mark Davis came out and he was like, "Henry Ruggs III is the only player I wanted out of this draft." I mean, what a shitty thing to say. To, I mean, not to him, of course, There's like a great compliment, but to all the other players that the Raiders drafted, it's like, "Yeah, no, we didn't really want you."
1: Uh no, I, I, I didn't take it that way. I think he he took it as as the the one player that. You know, you're talking about first round picks, talking about game changers, things like that, hyping up a guy that can be the future of your franchise. That's what these first round picks really are. I mean, I don't think I don't think any NFL team is really going and saying, oh, yeah, we're really excited about a fifth round pick potentially. You know, it really comes down to the owners You know, that want to sell tickets. You know, they're looking for the flashy guys. And and Henry Ruggs, the third is the definition of flashy. So I, I didn't really take. Too much. Um, I won't go after Mark Davis for uh, for saying that. I, I got what he was saying. It didn't come out the way that I think it it, it was perceived. Um, but you know Henry Henry Rugs could be a game changer for for the Raiders. And um, you know it, it depends on who they have at quarterback, honestly, and and whether it is Marcus Mariota, whether it is Derek Carr. Um, you know they're going to have a uh, a pretty solid option. To throw the ball to in uh, in Henry Ruggs and we'll talk about Henry Ruggs third next week when we talk about the AFC West on Monday
0: yes well I, I agree though that it, with you when you say that it could have been worded better definitely I think if you said something like Henry Ruggs third was the only player we, we were looking at at that at that pick then sure yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean still like you'd probably be have Jerry Judy coming out like what the fuck man I mean they're rivals, so it's cool. It's fine.
1: Jerry Judy's gonna have the opportunity to uh, do his talking on the uh, field twice a
0: year against the Raiders. But I, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Mark Davis is just one of those guys where,
1: as we'll see, yeah. Lamb when he's lining up in uh, in Dallas Cowboys with number eighty-eight on his chest. Yeah, love him. That's a great guy. Just <sighs> beautiful,
0: beautiful see, man. Two years before they go, before the Cowboys and the Raiders play each other. That's fine. I think, yeah. I was just, no. I'm just thinking o- about it. It's just an opportunity. Out loud it's a, here. It's an opportunity for Ceedee Lamb to grow. I think we play each other in three years. No, I think it's. Oh yeah, I guess it is three years. Well, you play the North, the AFC North this year. Yeah. the AFC West next year. Or the AFC South next year, AFC, AFC South West. next year, and
1: then the AFC West. Yeah. Yep. Three years. We'll see you in three years for that uh, third year breakout for CD Lamb there, uh, Las Vegas, and we'll come back with Amari Cooper. Oh God, that'll be that's gonna be interesting, Amari.
0: That's that that's the boy. That's that that's the boy. Well, you know, speaking of Raiders that have been traded to the NFC. It's actually segues pretty well, surprisingly, and we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. Oh, great! Our, yeah, super duper, super just the team I wanted to talk about. Super not, <laughs> super not smooth at all. Oh, um,
1: this fucking team,
0: much like the Chicago Bears. God damn it, this team! I'm on this website that I'm looking at right now, uh, Fantrax HQ. Which I've been using for to just give me some like baseline stuff on uh, these uh, teams and players. They have the Bears' projected win total at eight, <sighs> and I'm saying, That's are high. they on drugs?
1: That's <laughs> high. Yeah, that, that is really generous. High.
0: Yeah, it is. Yikes! With how mediocre the quarterback play is going to be for the Chicago Bears team, with either. Mitchell Trubisky, who just jeez, I don't know if he's ever going to come back from from this. If he's going to come back, we don't, to... we don't
1: need we don't need to rehash uh, bad memories for uh, for Bears fans and who Mitchell Trubisky was drafted over.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, and then also you have the bloated contract of one Nicholas Foles, who um, basically caused the Bears jumping the shark moment in 2018 or 2019 anyway. And that was the that was the beginning of the end. Uh yeah, the quarterback play just does not inspire me at all with this team. From a fantasy perspective, there's no fucking way you are going to be looking at either Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles unless something crazy happens where Trubisky goes back to um 2018 form but if that's gonna happen then yeah sure but i don't know i i don't see it i don't see it happening
1: uh we have some breaking news too yes um deandre baker is charged with four counts of robbery with a firearm uh seahawks corner Quentin dunbar is not facing any charges
0: oh this is i was gonna ask that was my follow-up like is this going to be is this related to the uh, incident from earlier, from a couple months ago? That is the one. Yeah. That like is it the a, incident in so question. So long ago. So long ago that that incident happened. Is it though? Is it so long ago? It, it feels just, like it, it happened yesterday. That, it feels that way. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, March, it does. February and March feel like it was five years ago. True.
1: But then, but then you realize and you wake up and it's August. Yep. I know Um, I I, see this is the one this is the one position for the Chicago Bears where I feel like it's more important to talk about who's going to win the battle for the job more so than giving projections because honestly the projections that I have are just not helpful so I'm just not even going to go there Um, well basically it's
0: dependent on who wins the job
1: right and that it it could be anybody it could you really want to make four
0: set like four projections you have to have one for if they win and one for if they lose. Right. So I
1: – we had our Chicago correspondent, Benny Gable, on the Basement Talk Podcast and Love that man. Love Benny. Great guy. Check out the Basement Talk Podcast Quizvitational. We had Benny on the Quizvitational, and Benny – who knows Chicago bears inside and out said to me that he believes that Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter. And his reasoning makes a ton of sense that Trubisky has been working out with all of his teammates. Well, Nick Foles really hasn't since he's gotten there. Yeah. They've been doing reps and training camp, but really that before training camp even started, it was Mitch Trubisky running the running the, The private workouts, I guess, for for the Chicago Bears offense. And now that there is no preseason, and you're not really going to get to see, you know, these live game reps from Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky is going to have the opportunity to start the season with the job. I think that that is the most logical explanation, and I think that's good news for the Chicago Bears receivers, namely Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Um, I'm cautious to say that it's good news for David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen because they uh, that backfield is a mess. But we'll get to that backfield in a minute. Um but for right for right now I'm I'm going out on a limb and I'm gonna say and this is I've heard nothing about the Chicago Bears uh QB job. Uh, I've reached out to a couple people on it and they've heard nothing about it. So really I think it's gonna be something that's decided in-house and when the Chicago Bears have a decision. They'll they'll tell us about it. Uh, you're really going off of a hunch, and my hunch is telling me that the, that the job is going to go to Mitch Trubisky at least to start. Um, but but the leash is very short for Trubisky. That's something I think also has to be uh, discussed. So, um, I think that the Chicago Bears quarterbacks. You know, you're only drafting them in very deep two QB leagues. Um, very deep. 14 16 team leagues and other than that you you, you're not touching the situation it's it's a mess and i highly doubt that you would want to you know ride on uh on mitch trubisky and uh and nick Foles. but um when we're when we're done with the division previews we'll get to our uh position previews and that's going to be uh super exciting and we'll get to talk about uh the messy qb situation uh one more time so hopefully we'll have an update for uh for the Chicago Bears in uh, in a couple weeks when we get started on our position previews, yeah. Well, I highly doubt that. I as do I. Yeah, as do I. But but we can only hope because can only hope because everything magically seems to line up for this podcast. We get trades that happen when we're editing. We have signings that happen before we're going to record. So everything just, just sort of falls together in the uh, in the stratosphere. So so you know so you know what if Matt Nagy really wants to be a great guy. He'll give us an answer in, in two weeks as to who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Chicago Bears.
0: Yep. And this dates back to actually our required radio fantasy show days as well. We've had coaches fired while we were recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Odo Beckham Jr. be traded while uh, one of us was editing the podcast. I remember that. So, I yeah. think I think it was
1: you. It was probably me. I think it was, yeah, because I remember. Yeah, it was not me. It was not me. I think May, that was on internship cause, that day, also. So, because I, I, I remember, I was very much, I was very much in bed, I believe. And that news, maybe it's the news, trade. That, that news happened. broke, and I was, I was up. No, it was Odell. It was Odell. Yeah, that was. Cause it was late at night when that broke. I, I, I yes. remember it.
0: So it, it yep. had to have been you. I was like, "Am I still dreaming?" <laughs> I, and yeah, now, I, like, and now look where we are. Uh, yeah stuff stuff has happened. We'll we'll just say that. Yes, it has. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think I agree with Benny and by extension you, in the sense that the Bears have invested too much into so much into Mitchell Trubisky. Now, in the sense that they traded for. Khalil Mack, thinking that they were one player away from contending. Uh, they traded up in the draft to draft Mitchell Trubisky and not Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson. But yeah, I I just think that in the sense that they, they've put so much work into Mitchell Trubisky, they're like, we want to make this work. Even though it is basically a failing marriage where it's like yeah. nothing is going to make this this work.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, too, it also comes down to the Chicago Bears front office really understanding that if they give up on Mitchell Trubisky, their jobs are most likely on the line. Yeah, I mean they're they're on the line as it is. Well, for, I think
0: Matt, yeah, if for that the Bears,
1: catastrophic decision.
0: Yes, I think um, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, their seats are they're sitting on beds of coals right now especially if Um, Mitch Trubisky does not Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles if they're not uh, good enough in 2020 which it it looks like that's going to be the case
1: I would say that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are sitting on top of a volcano that you know is about to blow
0: basically Mount Vesuvius is what they're, they're sitting on top of.
1: Yes, and Soldier Field is Pompeii.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. You'll see 100 years later, you'll come back to Soldier Field and you'll see Alan Robinson's scared expression frozen in the volcanic ash. <laughs> hey, we love Alan Robinson. That's a we great do. guy. But
1: hopefully, when the- hopefully Alan Robinson gets the hell out of Chicago – before the before the volcano explodes,
0: yeah. Uh, moving on to the running backs here. Oh god, from one crock of shit to another. God, it's like the quarterbacks all over again.
1: Oh hey, the 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 good news is is that this gets better from here. Oh wait, we got to talk about the Lions running backs. Oh god. Um, Anywho, well, continue. <laughs>
0: it's not a good week for running backs. Oh god, yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. This is what we're here for. <laughs> at least at least for the the Bears, you have like a good like you have like an actually good option where it's the sense that it's not like you're picking the lesser of two evils. I think David Montgomery is going to be the guy for the Bears offense, the number one running back, because there's no way Tariq Cohen is a very situational running back that only does more or less one thing. And, um, yeah, there's, I don't see him being the guy in Chicago, much like he was for basically his entire career, whether it be David Montgomery or Jordan Howard, who was, uh, be, who was the main guy while Terry Cohen was the third down back punt returner slash kick returner.
1: I'll start with David Montgomery. Um, I know that a lot of people, myself included, we definitely sour on David Montgomery, not necessarily because of him, but more so because of Matt Nagy, because of the play calling. And I think that there were a ton of people that really thought that David Montgomery should have gotten more of, more of the heavy-duty work for the Chicago Bears. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year, 889 yards rushing on 242 carries. Three point seven yards per attempt is absolutely hideous, but I think it comes down to the offensive line play from the Chicago Bears, not necessarily um, how good or how bad uh, David Montgomery was. I think where he's going right now, he's basically going in the round, round five, round six range. I think that's okay. I have him as my uh, running back twenty-eight, so I have him basically as a as a uh, sort of an upside RB three. Um, I, I mean, I look at his projections that I have down for him. They, they, this could go any, any which way. I mean, the, the ceiling is absolutely there with David Montgomery. I think that you know people are going to be quick to forget that this is a guy that's only entering his second year, and they desperately, desperately need to establish some sort of running game. You cannot rely on whether it's Trubisky or Foles to be the guys that carry this football team for the season. David Montgomery has got to be one of the key focal points for this offense. And which is why I think in round round, I would be comfortable with taking David Montgomery in round six. That's where I think he should be going. And that's where if he were, if he were to fall to me in round six, I would take him round seven, even better. I would not be taking him though at number 55 overall. Which is where his, his ADP is right now. So, no uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at his projections. I have him down for 237 carries for 912 yards, five rushing touchdowns, 25 receptions for a buck 86, and one receiving touchdown. So, overall, I think I look at those numbers. And I see, basically I see, the same I see, as last year. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty much exactly the same as last year. Where last year he had six rushing touchdowns to one receiving touchdown. This year I have him down for five rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. So I I just sprinkle in some more yards. You're you're basically talking about the same guy you had last year, but I think the ceiling for David Montgomery is something that, for me, I am looking at and I can say he's capable of more than the 900-some-odd yards. He's capable of more than five touchdowns. He's capable of more than 20-something receptions. that's what I believe. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it, though, given how bad I think the Chicago Bears football team, though, is going to be. I think they are going to be a disaster. And I think David Montgomery, you could see him. You could absolutely see a situation where David Montgomery is not getting carries in the third or fourth quarter because the Chicago Bears are out of the game.
0: So, you know, that's that's, that's kind of what you're investing in with David Montgomery. Plus... I mean, this is important. He doesn't have the PPR upside. He doesn't have the receiving upside that a lot of the running backs that are going in that, in that range actually have. And all that PPR upside is heading to Tariq Cohen. And those times where Dave Montgomery is not getting carries in the third or fourth quarter, cause the bears are down by 30. You know, who's going to be on the field when that's the case, Mr. Tariq Cohen. Yeah, he will be before, before we get into Tariq Cohen,
1: uh, just to give you an idea of who's going in David Montgomery's range, you have Devin Singletary, who I love this year. So I would take David uh, Devin Singletary over David Montgomery, one hundred percent. Kareem Hunt—that's an interesting one because I think if if you're in a PPR, I think I think Kareem Hunt is your play. If you're not in PPR, David Montgomery is your play. I, that's that's what I personally feel. Uh, Deandre Swift, that's an interesting one. We'll talk about Deandre Swift in a minute. Um, I, I kind of, they're back to back for me. I could, I would say maybe PPR. I would say Deandre Swift in non PPR. I would say David Montgomery. Um, here's one that I want. I want to ask you about Adam. Um, and we're not going to talk about him till till next week, but would you rather have Raheem Mostert or David Montgomery? Oh man. It's a really tough one because they're both in terrible
0: situations. Mm, I'd rather have Raheem Mostert. Interesting. Okay. I I would rather have David Montgomery. I don't I wouldn't it's feel close. comfortable it's very about it. close. Yeah. I think just because the 49ers are going to be up are going to be up in more games and it's going to mean more rushing attempts for Mostert. Yeah. And I think in that off well Jarek McKinnon, I don't even fucking know. But here's one for you. Yeah. Would
1: you rather have David Montgomery or Ronald Jones, who now we know is the starter in Tampa Bay? I'd rather have Ronald Jones. I'd rather have Ronald Jones too. Yeah, I, I, I've I've moved Ronald Jones up seven spots. Just to yeah. kind of show you what has happened now with Ronald Jones. He has just gone, his price has gone through the roof. I'm gonna see what his what his ADP is right now if it's updated. Wow. Okay, I I need to do some more research on this because fantasy uh, Fantasy Pros has his ADP right now at 76. I don't buy that for a second.
0: Yeah, uh, they P- probably haven't updated it yet.
1: PPR ADP. Okay, so in a 12 team league, I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator. In a 12 team league, 12 teams. Ronald Jones is going in the back end of the fifth. So in a ten in a 10 team league, he's probably going top end of the top half of the sixth, middle of the sixth. And I think I yeah. think it's that's gonna it's gonna continue to go up, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, let's talk about Tariq Cohen then. Surely here. Surely. Uh Tariq Cohen is gonna be one of those where you're looking at him. From a purely PPR lens, you're putting on your PPR goggles and you're like, this is the only situation where I will be comfortable with Tariq Cohen because he is almost exclusively going to be getting the ball thrown to him as opposed to having the ball handed off to him because David Montgomery is, is the running running back and Tariq Cohen is the catching running back. Uh, What do you think about Tariq Cohen?
1: I mean, I, I couldn't have said it much better myself. I mean, I look at what I have down for him in terms of his projections, what I feel he's going to do with his carries and then his receptions. There is a big discrepancy in terms of what I feel about Tariq Cohen. I don't have him being a huge part of the ground game. I only have him down for 88 carries, which equates to 327 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. But I look at his receptions and I say whether it is going to be Trubisky, whether it is going to be Falls. I expect him to be maybe the number two option in this passing game. It's probably pretty much between him and Anthony Miller as to who the number two in Chicago is going to be to Allen Robinson's number one. And it could be Tariq Cohen. I have Tariq Cohen down for 65 receptions, for 483 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. So I see Adam, I think you hit the nail on the head. He is a I don't want to say he's a high end flex cuz I don't think he is. I think he's a safe flex that you know is going to get some catches. But is he a guy that I'm comfortable starting every single week? Uh no. No, not really. Yeah. And well, I I look at his numbers from the last two seasons when he really was, you know, on the on the scene. 725 receiving yards last year on 71 receptions. 79 receptions last year for 456 yards, 91 and a buck and a buck four targets, uh, respectively. So, at the end of the day, I kind of see him being in that range once again. Uh, but the question is, you know, as, as is the question with this entire offense, you know, does the quarterback play hamper
0: the potential for this offense? And it, it absolutely could. Yeah. Well, I think the other interesting thing about Terry Cohen is that you're going to, I think some people might be tricked by him, in the sense that he has the the tendency to have a week where he maybe he doesn't do all that well on the in the traditional offense, but he has like a punt return touchdown or a kickoff return touchdown for the Bears, and then you're like, oh wow, maybe I should start him next week, and then you get burned by him. So I think people should really be wary about that. And kind of look further into the into the scoring, into the stats.
1: Adam, I can tell I can tell you right now, and this is uh, this is the one hundred percent truth. I have never been a guy to draft Tariq Cohen. I just never ever gravitate towards him because he's just he just is not someone that, for me, screams that you know I can go and invest in him and I'll feel and I'll feel good about it.
0: Yeah, you're basically just you're. When you're drafting Trey Cohen, you're drafting like a, a pose zero a wide receiver more or less because he doesn't give you much on the ground and he doesn't really give you as much through the air as an actual wide receiver, as a, like a traditional wide receiver. So I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, as like a side tangent, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up like being converted to like a, like a slot receiver in like a Deshaun Jackson sort of sort of deal in the future possibility sure because it seems like running back is not his position it could be like an and like an Isaiah Simmons thing where he's like he doesn't really fit between he fits like somewhere in between two two position groups well he has lined up in the slot before
1: yes so he he's the ultimate swiss army knife for for the Chicago Bears
0: I'm moving on to wide receivers here and bird. I know that you love Allen Robinson.
1: I do. I love him a lot. And I I wish that I wish there was a video component for this podcast. So everyone could just see the ripe smile I have in my face right now. when you mentioned Allen Robinson.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have every right to be this happy because Allen Robinson is the shining light in this dreary, dreary Chicago offense.
1: Even, even my dog. I'll break the fourth wall. Even my dog is uh, barking at the at the thought of Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. She can hear. She can hear us talking about Allen Robinson, and she's just going to start barking because she loves Allen. She's like, I love that
0: guy. Yeah, I, and who, who doesn't? I'm drafting him in the first round. <laughs> I would draft number one overall. That's right. Go guy. Allen Robinson is one of those receivers that's like basically immune to shitty quarterback play. Yes, he is. He's been dealing with it for for basically his entire career, Jacksonville and now in Chicago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a guy that I think, and I've been on record on this show where I've said that I think Allen Robinson is probably the elite receiver in the National Football League that nobody calls elite. You know, people talk about DeAndre Hawkins, talk about Julio, talk about Amari Cooper, talk about Adam Thielen. Those guys get a ton of recognition. But at the end of the day, Allen Robinson does so much more with so much less. This is a guy that basically is a lock every single week to get you five catches and then a shit ton of yards. I mean, th- this is what Allen Robinson just does. He gets open, he'll haul in receptions In PPR. He's terrific. And I've been on record and I've said, I think I said it in this podcast already. He's my number five wide receiver, and I'll, I'm going to get into why in a, in a second. So, Allen Robinson, I, I would be, I'd be remiss in my duties as co-host of this podcast if I did not say that I was nervous a little bit about Allen Robinson. But it, it all comes down to the quarterback play. I don't think it's going to matter. In hindsight, because I think Allen Robinson is just so good at what he does. He also has the easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers coming into the 2020 season. So he comes up, he's got light matchups, which is good.
0: And he gets massive amounts of targets
1: as well. He gets massive amounts of targets, absolutely. And you look at the corners that are just in his division. The only real big one that he might be going up against, and even he got shredded, by Amari Cooper last year in Dallas was Jair Alexander. That might be the only top guy in this, in this division that you could say maybe could put up a fight against Allen Robinson. Yeah, the Detroit Lions just signed uh, Desmond Trufad, but we don't know where where he's at with his career, and, and there's a reason why Atlanta didn't want him, and now they're looking for replacing place for Darius Slay. I I really think Allen Robinson is in for a a massive, massive year. We look at his numbers from a year ago, had 98 catches for 1,147 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. I have his numbers being just about that. I have him down for 93 catches for 1,122 receiving yards and six touchdowns. So I just took a touchdown off, but I have the receptions going up. I have the receiving yards going up because I think the Chicago bears, again, they're going to be terrible. So they're going to be throwing the ball a ton and that's good for Allen Robinson. And I had the risk there, the touchdowns coming down by one, because I just think, you know, with the influx of tight ends that, that Chicago has brought in, namely Jimmy Graham for some ungodly reason. And they gave him a full no trade clause. I don't understand why they would even think about doing that. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, we will. Uh, That'll be a quick conversation, but yeah, I feel like with Allen Robinson again. I've said it before. I think he is the most underrated elite receiver in the National Football League. I think that again, Adam, you made a great point when you said he's done it before with really shitty quarterbacks, namely Blake Bortles, who was, uh, I guess you could say, unimpressively impressive with uh, with Jacksonville, and now he's going to be doing it with even less with Nick Foles and uh, Metro Trubisky. And I think that Allen Robinson should be taking should be taken in every league in the second round. All I, I right, I think that he is a guy that you need to be taking in the second round of every single draft. And I can tell you right now that I'm going to have a ton of Allen Robinson this year.
0: Yep. Because I, I know there are a ton yeah. of
1: people that don't value him like I do, and I'll be sitting there at the back end of the second round. I'll see Allen Robinson just go tick, 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 and come to me, and I'll snap him up no problem.
0: Yeah, well, the interesting thing, I think Blake Bortles is actually impressively unimpressive because it's just like incredible how just not good somebody can be at playing quarterback or just it's impressive how, how many flashes of greatness that you see from Blake Bortles that he, th- that he makes like maybe like two or three pretty solid throws a game and then the rest of it is just awful. Just absolute dog shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey. In that way, it's actually pretty amazing. Hey, Adam, this is this is a guy that bought a Tesla
1: to quit dipping. And now uses his Tesla to go to the gas station just to get dipped. I mean, that's Blake Bortles. That's just... That's, he's an unbelievable guy. Florida man. Unbelievable, unbelievable guy. Love him to death. Yeah. But... Yes, I, like I said, we'll put the we'll put the uh, the bow and the ribbon on this. Um, Allen Robinson needs to be drafted in the second round of every single fantasy league, every single league. And if he somehow makes it into the third round, and you're sitting at the two three turn, and you just got Christian McCaffrey, and now you have the opportunity to get Alan Robinson, y- you've already won your draft. Congratulations. Yep, that's right. That's right. So let's talk about Anthony Miller. Do you uh, before before oh. we talk about Anthony Miller, I just want to get your thoughts on Allen Robinson really quick. Yeah. Do you think do you think I'm over hyping him? Do you think I'm too low on him? Do you think I'm too high on
0: him? What do you, what what do you think, Adam? Be honest with me. Well, I even though Allen Robinson is one of those players that is immune to shitty quarterback play, I think it's it's got to be a situation where surely it'll affect. So it'll affect um, his game in some way because if you just have quarterbacks that are just don't know what they're doing, they're, they if Mitchell Trubisky's confidence gets any more uh, demolished and shattered like it was in 2019, I don't think that uh, it's going to be one of those things where even though he's going to be going up against terrible corners, they're really going to focus a lot of their attention on Allen Robinson. Regardless, because it's going to be one of those things where they know the guy got twenty seven percent of the target share for the Bears last year, one hundred fifty four targets. They're like, well, you know, it's just like, it's like uh, you know, remember, remember the movie Kicking and Screaming? Of course with I do. Wolf Arrow. Of course it do. Where they were like, the strategy is kick it to the Italians. <laughs> the Bears' strategy is throw it to Allen Robinson and see what happens. Well, was, I mean, yeah. I look at I look at Allen Robinson too and I think
1: you you make a good point that yeah, there's the possibility that Allen Robinson could get doubled, but I feel like also that Allen Robinson was doubled a whole hell of a lot last year too cuz he was the only guy that was in that offense that
0: could have that could have produced and and he still did and he still did. Right. So, like I still think he's going to do well. Don't get me wrong. Like he, yeah I think he's going to be he's going to be great but I think that your your concern that you've said previously where with the quarterback play I I mean it's valid it's a valid it's a valid concern cuz I, I
1: yeah go ahead go ahead finish what you're saying
0: yeah the other shoe has to drop eventually like you can't sure. just be playing with terrible quarterbacks for so long and still put up elite numbers as a wide
1: receiver the one guy that I think I compare Allen Robinson to, before we get to Anthony Miller, um, I kind of see Allen Robinson as a as a better version of Des Bryant. Really good hands, very solid route runner, physical, can get up and catch any ball. You can double him, it, it it didn't matter, but just needed that consistent just needs that consistent QB play to get the best out of him. And we saw what happened when Tony Romo was the guy at his peak. Des Bryant was unstoppable. Blake Bortles, when he was at his peak, Allen Robinson was unstoppable. But then you got to the early years of Dak when Dak was looking to incorporate other receivers into the offense and Des Bryant really wasn't there. And that was his t- end of his tenure in Dallas. Whereas now Allen Robinson's in a contract year playing for his cash. Maybe the Bears resign him. Maybe they don't. They have a big decision that they have to make on that. And Allen Robinson may be looking to, to really show out a team that he can go to where they have an established quarterback. Maybe he would go to Green Bay and be the number two to Devontae Adams and you give Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Alan Robinson. God.
0: Never know. (laughs) That would be unfair.
1: (laughs) That would be wonderful. My two I would love it. My two, my two children, Alan Robinson and Devontae Adams being being on the same team. That would be that would be something special. And we're talking about Devontae Adams in this episode too. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yep. And carry on. And carry on.
0: I love the NFC North. Great division. Yep. Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. He's uh, he's the number two behind Allen Robinson. That's basically the gist of it. Um, Anthony Miller has a bit of an injury history. Uh, Looks like he should be good to go uh, for training, or he is good to go for training camp. Uh, no Taylor Gabriel anymore. Nope. We remember when we thought he was going to be like a he's like an underrated good signing for the Bears.
1: Yeah, where'd that go?
0: Nowhere. Yeah. Basically, like yeah. But uh, I think that Anthony Miller is going to be really is going to be pretty good in this offense. But just with the amount of targets that Allen Robinson gets, there's like he's not going to get as much as much usage as you'd really expect for a a wide receiver to in the offense because Allen Robinson just gets so much attention.
1: Yeah, I have Anthony Miller down as my wide receiver 41. I don't really have much interest in him outside of being a late-round flyer. Uh, He does have incredible upside, no no doubt about it. And you look at the way that Anthony Miller finished the season last year, you can make a very good case that Anthony Miller at least won some people one playoff matchup. That was, of course in week 15 when he went nine for a buck 18 and a touchdown against the green Bay Packers. And then you look at what he did against the Detroit lions on Thanksgiving nine for a buck 40. He, he has the potential to have some very, very big games, but it always with him has just always been, can he put it together consistently? And he has an opportunity to do that this year. I think he is the clear cut number two in this offense, number two receiver, I should say in this offense. And no, I wouldn't say the number two uh pass catcher cuz i think it's obviously it's Tariq Cohen but i think Anthony Miller has a real has a real chance to to outperform my projections for him and i have him down for 57 receptions for 727 receiving yards and five touchdowns but again i think he can outperform that and i think if you're looking for a a deep ish sort of sleeper i think Anthony Miller can can definitely uh, be, can definitely be that guy for the same reasons sort of as Alan Robinson is the bears are going to be terrible. They're going to be down in games and they're going to be throwing the football. A whole hell of a lot.
0: Yep. Uh, from the good back down to the bad. Oh the God. It's, t- it's time to talk about the tight ends. Oh Christ. I, Oh, Jimmy Graham. Oh what boy. happened to you? Jimmy Graham. You just, so 33 years old. Hey, he did, he did great for himself. He got a full no trade clause. I know. I mean listen good for him. Good for him, definitely. But just not good for the Bears. Not oh yeah.
1: No, 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 no. And they have they have two tight ends too. They have uh they have Cole Komet, who they drafted out of uh, Notre Dame, and now they have of course Jimmy Graham, and we're gonna spend the majority of the time talking about uh Jimmy Graham. While I think Cole Komet should be the guy, just because I think he's young, I think he has more explosion than Jimmy Graham does at thirty-three. It uh, looks like Jimmy Graham is going to at least be the guy. And I'm just not interested in Jimmy Graham. I have him down for 45 receptions for 452 receiving yards and three touchdowns. The The, the golden days of Jimmy Graham being the go-to for Drew Brees are, uh, are long and gone, unfortunately. And, and Russell uh, Wilson. And Russell Wilson, yeah. And even even them, Russell Wilson, he was just very hot and cold. Um, I just want no part of Jimmy Graham. I think if you're in dynasty, Colt Komet is a, is a good option in a rookie draft. If you haven't done that already, which if you haven't done your rookie draft or any in dynasty, that's a major problem. Yeah, I, I, I just I want no part in Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I what I absolutely no part. I, I, I don't really go very, very deep in terms of how I rank my tight ends. I did not rank Jimmy Graham at all. Uh, I did... I did do his projections just for this because I knew we were going to be talking about him. But, yeah, it's uh, – I want no part. No, 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 no.
0: No, it's not going to be like – was it 2018 where Jimmy Graham just kept catching one-yard touchdowns for the Seattle Seahawks? It was, was that- yeah, twenty uh, 2017.
1: 2017. 2017, yeah, yeah when, he, when he had uh, 10 touchdowns.
0: Yep. That is not going to be happening. This year,
1: no, Not gone, gone to the days when he had sixteen touchdowns in twenty thirteen for uh, the Saints.
0: God, beautiful, absolutely those days, beautiful.
1: Those days are long gone, sadly.
0: Yes. Okay. Thank Actually, God bird. it's over.
1: Thank God that's yeah. over. Except for Allen Robinson, we can go back and talk about Allen Robinson all day.
0: <laughs> Let's move on here to the Detroit Lions, and uh wow, look who's look who's here. It's Matthew Stafford. Oh, Matthew. What a guy! The uh, well, thankfully, you know he's healthy. He didn't for now. have to for now. He has not had to worry about. He's not worrying about that uh, false positive uh, coronavirus test. So good, for, good on him. But uh, yeah, it's like 2019, Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford. It seemed like we were looking at 2009, Matt Stafford, where he the season was cut short due to injuries. And I remember, you know, when he was drafted in 2009 and like the first two years, just you could not stay healthy. And as Matthew Stafford gets older, you know, you have to really worry about this for him. I mean, he's getting, he's into his thirties now. He's cannot believe he was drafted 10 years ago. I can't believe
1: that either. That's insane to me.
0: He turned out to be the best quarterback of that draft class. I'll tell you that.
1: Yes. No questions asked.
0: Yep. Uh, and he's still pretty good with fantasy because of mainly garbage time. And the fact that he just throws constantly, he, he is a gunslinger in the big Ben uh, Brett Favre model where he he's throwing, he'll be throwing a lot. And I mean, depending on what's going on with his receivers and tight ends, because you know, as we said, uh, Kenny Holiday and T.J. Hawkinson are both on the uh, reserve COVID list, so uh, we've. That's definitely worth monitoring. But he has an, a solid supporting cast. Really, he has two good running backs. He's pretty good wide receivers. A number one tight end. So I have a lot of. Uh, I have hopes for Matthew Stafford going into twenty twenty.
1: See. This is the conversation that we're going to have when we do our, our quarterback preview is, you know, you really have the age old debate of what would you rather do? Would you rather invest in the top six guys, which are basically going in round rounds three to six, seven ish, or would you rather wait and take a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's ADP right now? is he's going 104th overall. I can tell you what I'd rather do, and I think I'm going to do this pretty universally, is I'm going to be waiting on quarterback. And I think if you're going to subscribe to that theory and wait on quarterback, you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than than Matthew Stafford. I mean, this is a guy, when he's healthy, and he's been healthy since 2013, he's played in 16 games every single year Until last season when he only appeared in eight. So I look at Matthew Stafford. I see a guy that's gonna throw a ton, a guy that's gonna has a ton of weapons in his offense. You know, you add DeAndre Swift to that, Kenny Galladay is still there, Marvin Jones is still there, TJ Hawkinson coming back for year number two. Hopefully we'll have Matthew Stafford and have more consistent quarterback play to help TJ Hawkinson potentially fulfill his humongous potential so I look at Matthew Stafford nice and, and this is a guy again Adam you hit the nail right on the head if he's healthy he's a top 12 quarterback I mean there's just no question about it but the question is again is he going to be healthy and if he is you have yourself a steal at 104 overall whatever right whatever I said his ADP excuse me his ADP is 106 overall so He's basically going right now the 10-11 turn, which is obscene to me. I'll take um, that. I'll take that all day long, 100, 100%. So I have Matthew Stafford down for 4,436 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and then he's not going to get much on the ground because that's Matt Stafford. But I have Matt Stafford being a 30-touchdown guy if, if he's healthy, which basically if you look at his career when you're looking at all the seasons that he was healthy you're looking at 29 22 32 24 29 21 he's basically hovering around 27 to 30 touchdowns i gave him the boost a little bit for 30 touchdowns which would be his the second highest total of his career if he does stay healthy but that's how much i do believe in matthew stafford and again i have him down as my qb as my qb 12 for good reason, is that I I truly believe in him. I truly believe in the arm talent that he has, and they're going to need to rely on that arm talent if the Lions are going to be successful this year. And even if they're not, it's even better for Matthew Stafford and for those that own him in fantasy because this is this is a guy that just throws the daylights out of the ball, and he's he's a, he's a I guess my best comparison for him, and, and they're nothing they're nothing alike. But he's like a Ben Roethlisberger. High-volume passer. It's going to get you a ton of yards. It's going to get you a ton of touchdowns. But Matthew Stafford is safer with the ball. And personally, I think Matthew Stafford is much safer than Ben Roethlisberger is, given Ben Roethlisberger is way older than Matthew Stafford is. But I'd much rather have both of them over some of the guys that are going in – the sixth round because I, I just think it's, it's better yeah. value
0: i mean at least five years older considering that they were drafted five years apart
1: yeah i think uh, ben roethlisberger is uh, 38 yeah so yeah okay, hold on i, I, I mean, could tell you right now just
0: yeah 38 matthew stafford's a garbage time king and i mean that should be a, a term that we should that more fantasy experts should throw around should put on players if they're that they're garbage time kings where they get a lot of their value comes when their team is has is down and out and they're just kind of playing out the string in the third and fourth quarter. I agree but, with you, Adam. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to running backs. Fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to leave you to this one because Carry one your on my wayward, yes, your Love favorite, Karen. your favorite running back, in the NFC North, carry on Johnson. The floor is yours. Yeah, this is this is a tough one
1: to uh, to obviously try and project because now you have DeAndre Swift very much in the building. Um, for me, I think carry on starts the season as the guy. I don't think that DeAndre Swift is going to get the the ball. Right away, but at the end of the day, I think that DeAndre Swift, they drafted him in the second round for a reason. They obviously want to use him. They want to have it be a 1A, 1B sort of situation in Detroit. But if Carrion cannot stay healthy, if he doesn't perform, then Carrion is just not going to be the guy for, for the Lions, and it's going to end up being DeAndre Swift. And it, it's a shame because I think Carrion is, Carrion is just very, very talented, but he just has not been able to uh, to really piece it together. In his, uh, in his NFL career thus far. I have carry-on down as of right now for 167 carries for 705 yards for six touchdowns, and I have him at 30 receptions for 238 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. So overall, I have him down for eight total touchdowns. I think if, if you're taking him in the eighth, ninth round, which is kind of where he's going, I think he's he's gonna provide solid value as a flex, and I think at least in the early going, I think he could be a guy who can start for you right away. As for DeAndre Swift, again, we all know how I feel about the rookies. I'm just not touching any of these rookies with a 10 foot pole. I was talking to a couple of my uh, couple of my buddies I do a, a a auction league with, and we talked about um, Clyde Everett Hilaire. And there was a huge – there's a huge debate about Clyde Edwards-Alaire because there are some apps out there and some publications that have him being the number four running back right now. And the conversations swiftly – see what I did there? Swiftly Uh, turned to, you know, what would – where would you go for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in an auction? And maybe maybe we could do an auction episode at, at some point for the podcast. But I said right away that I'm going to nominate Claude Edwards-Alaire number one, number one, 100%, because I don't want him. And that's like, I can give you a little auction preview right now. My auction strategy is right away, the first couple of nominations, I would say the first five or six nominations, unless there's someone there that I really, really, really want, five or six rounds, I'm nominating guys that I don't want because I want to see people draining their draining their salary cap. And Clyde Edwards Alaire is that guy for me. That I think if you're doing a if you're doing a hundred dollar budget, I think that that's a Clyde Edwards Alaire is easily a guy that can go for twenty, twenty five bucks when you have McCaffrey who could be going anywhere between thirty, thirty-two Barkley could be going that range. Zeke be going that range. I think Clyde Zolaire easy. can go for 20, 25 bucks. And if you're doing 200, $200 budget, I could see Clyburn's Zolaire going for as much as 35, 40, just because people value him that much. And I think people are just crazy that they want to go and spend that kind of money in an auction on,
0: on a rookie. Yeah. Well, I think that's basically your strategy is basically the, uh, the let other people make make their own mistakes, but it's more direct. You're just like nudging them in the direction of like, "Hey, you should pick this guy. I you should. I, I want him, but you know, you should you should take him."
1: Bingo. And it's, it's like it's, I don't want him. It's the same thing that I that I end up doing every year with nominating kickers and defenses in the second and third round too. Like I'll I'm classic for nominating the top ranked defense in the second and the third round where if I get them for a dollar, I get them for a dollar. And I'm like, all right, cool. I get Justin Tucker for a dollar, sick. And then if someone wants to go and spend two, three, four dollars on a defense or a kicker in the second round of an auction, that's fine. That's four less dollars that that one team will have to go and invest in potentially getting a superstar receiver that's still there and has not been nominated yet.
0: Yeah, auctions are just one of those things where it's completely different. It's like you're playing two completely different games. Oh, I love
1: auctions. I love auctions. Anybody anybody who has who has not done an auction uh, and listens to this podcast, please go and try an auction because even even if it's a mock, and it's just a mock auction, and you want and you want to see how fun it is. They are a it's lot of fun. I'll
0: tell they,
1: you, they are a lot of fun. They they they, they really really are, and especially um, we the league that we do is you is usually a uh, an offline draft, so we have the live auction but this year obviously with with uh with covid uh that cannot happen so we are doing the online this year and it's, it's still it's still gonna be a, a, a ton of fun
0: yeah i the one auction that that uh, we did I think it was in 2018 that we did this auction but uh yeah that wasn't a, a live auction I would love to do that a live auction because then it would be more like a legit actual auction that you would go to
1: right and it gets
0: it gets wild
1: it gets wild especially early on but then you get like the one and two dollar bids and everyone's just like all right can we get this fucking over
0: yeah well that that makes sense Uh, so deandre swift
1: deandre swift we went so far off the beaten path there um i like deandre swift as a player uh i watched him a ton when he was at georgia and you look at georgia you can say they are the factory of running backs with Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle, now DeAndre Swift. I mean, the school that produces some some high-caliber running backs, and DeAndre Swift is that kind of guy. And I think if there is someone that can take the job, year one from inc- an incumbent veteran, it is DeAndre Swift. The question is, will he have that opportunity to do so? And I think, again, going back to what I said with On. Two things will have to happen. One, on does not perform well, and DeAndre Swift clearly outperforms Carrion. Or two, on gets hurt, and DeAndre Swift becomes the guy. Obviously, I'm not a magician. I am not going to predict injuries. I'm just going to give you the projections as I see them. So for DeAndre Swift, I have him down for 161 carries. So I have uh, on Johnson getting more carries than DeAndre Swift for 673 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. And then this is the number that I thought was most interesting. I have DeAndre Swift getting 42 receptions for 312 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. So overall, I think both of these Lions running backs are essentially flexes, where DeAndre Swift, I think, has more of the higher ceiling than carry does. But I think who has the safer floor come week one, week two, I think it is on Johnson.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the inevitability is that Kerryon Johnson is probably going to get something. Probably. In, and that those projections for DeAndre Swift are going to be uh, bolstered a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and Adam, I,
1: I mean, again, I could, I could roast you right now and say how dare you that you are projecting that my son gets injured. But you're,
0: you're not wrong. It's a you're, scientific you're thing. not wrong. It's, there's no motion based on this. It is purely based on uh evidence. Yeah. No no you 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 make a very fair and very valid point.
1: Sadly, as much as much as I hate to say that you are right when it comes to projecting that my son could potentially be uh injured and not have the opportunity to keep his job,
0: uh you're right on that. You are yeah, I mean we don't want to like wish injury on on players. No, of all. course not, especially not my son. Yeah, no. Unless it's Tom Brady. Even then, ah, I feel weird about it. Wow. Tom Brady's a family man. Other players are fa-
1: have families. Yeah, but you're not you're not wishing for them to get injured, are you?
0: No. You wish for family
1: man's to get injured? the greatest quarterback of all time, say it with me, the greatest quarterback of all time is Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. We will have to do, we will have to do (laughs) when the season is up and running, we will have to do a live debate of why Tom Brady or Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback of all time. And we'll have to have the listeners uh, vote as to who the, who is right on this one. So, start studying.
0: While we're here, uh, let's move on to the wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. King Kenny. Kenny
1: Galladay. See, I would like to go ahead and thank Kenny Galladay because in 2017, when he first arrived, in Detroit, when he was drafted in the third round out of Northern Illinois. Someone who listens to this podcast, you know who you are, said, I told, I- no, I'll start this over. <laughs> I told someone who listens to this podcast and that person knows who they are about Kenny Galladay from Northern Illinois that he should take him In the last round of his 14-team uber-mega-bonanza draft, he did. Didn't work out year one. But look at what Kenny Galladay has become. So anybody who was laughing at this person for taking Kenny Galladay in the last round of the draft, you owe me an apology. Just putting that out there. Okay, my 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 rant is over. Okay,
0: well, I think speaking from personal experience, having one bad year of a player getting burned by a player one year for me is enough to be wary about drafting that player ever again. When did you get burned by Kenny Galladay? No, 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 not him. Just like other other players. Oh well, Kenny Galladay hey, was, Ryan, take, was taken in in the last round. Dalvin he Cook. Was taken, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was taken in the last round
1: of, of of that draft, so it was a fly. It was his rookie year, but then, no, I know. but then year two he was a thousand yard receiver. Then year three is when he had his, his true and proper breakout.
0: Yeah, I'm and now saying, here we are. And now here we are. Kenny Holiday is looking like a great, great target for Matthew Stafford. I mean, praying he, he gets healthy, of course. But yeah, this he had a great season in 2019, looking to be more of the same. And especially with a healthy Matthew Stafford, a fully healthy Matthew Stafford, plays 16 games. Uh, what are your projections here for Kenny Galladay? First
1: of all, I would, like, I would like to say that Kenny Galladay is one of my loves. I would just like to put that out there. Um, again, he proved me to be very, very, very right.
0: Are you polyamorous? Uh, yes. You have yes. many loves.
1: Yes, I have many, many, many loves. Regardless of sex, age, race, creed. I love everybody. I love everybody. Kenny Galladay is one of my loves. Yes. Um, I have Kenny Galladay ranked as my wide receiver eight. So I have him very much as a wide receiver one. And his numbers, his projections that I have for him, I think are going to back that up. I have him down for 70 receptions for 1,159 receiving yards. And eight receiving touchdowns, which basically is about what he had last year. I gave him a slight uptick in receptions to match his career high. I got it took down his yards a tiny bit, and I brought down his touchdowns to from eleven to eight. But again, Kenny Galladay is one hundred percent able to completely blow my projections out of the water. But this is a guy that led the league in touchdowns last year with 11. So do we think he's going to do that again? I'm just i not the guy that's going to go and say that someone is going to go out and get you double-digit touchdowns in my projections. Because if I was coming out here and saying that Kenny Galladay was going to get you 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns, that means Kenny Galladay should be one of the top three receivers off the board. And I'm not going to go and say that.
0: Yeah, you're not that crazy. Only a little crazy.
1: Well, people could, people will say I'm crazy for having Alan Robinson as my number five receiver, but that's besides the point.
0: Yeah. Well, just, uh, just I wait. Agree. Just wait, yeah. people. Just wait. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with what you're saying here. I think that Kenny Galladay's season last year wasn't a fluke. And like I said before, with the healthy Matthew Stafford, full season, He's going to he's going to do big, uh, big things. I mean, sure the projections are on your side are a little low, but um being a top 10 wide receiver, that's what you want. Yeah. And again, and again
1: Adam, you 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 said it just now. My projections could be low. And there is a very good chance that they could be.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's going to get 11 touchdowns again cuz that would be a I'm bit, not going to project that.
1: I, I can't project that because then that's something that people will hold over my head for forever. It Unless happens. I get it right.
0: Unless I get it right. And then you can hold it over their head forever.
1: True. True. It's but but I'm, I'm not. I'm not in the business of trying to, uh, of trying to prove people wrong. That's a. That's a risky business to be in.
0: You're right. You're right. Uh, you want to talk about Marvin Jones for a second here. Sure. I, I mean,
1: I love Marvin Jones. I think he's someone every single year that is so sneaky and gets the job done that he's being drafted right now, 97th overall. I think that's a great value for anybody that potentially goes zero wide receiver and is playing in a two or three wide receiver league, and then you need someone to potentially fill up some wide receiver spots. I think you do a whole, whole lot worse than Marvin Jones. I mean, you look at his numbers from a year ago, this was someone in 13 games that still was able to rack, to rack in 62 catches, 779 yards, and nine touchdowns in 13 games. So it's very clear that he's a guy that is targeted very heavily, even in limited game time for the Detroit Lions. The only issue that I have with him is, of course, the injuries. Has missed a total of 10 games over the course of the last two seasons. So you have to look out for the injuries with Marvin Jones. But at the end of the day, you're talking, you're talking about a guy that is a red zone threat, a guy that can catch a bomb. And he is guaranteed to give you at least one or two big, big, big weeks as evidenced by the two big weeks that he had in 2019, when he had six catches for 101 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles in week three. And then, the big game that he had against the Oakland Raiders, eight catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. And then the biggest one of all was the 10 catches, 93 yards and four touchdown performance that he had against the Minnesota Vikings. So this is a guy again, that he just gets the job done. And if you're penciling him in as, as a flex or a wide receiver too, like I said, if you are uh if you're playing and planning on going with a zero wide receiver approach for your drafts this year, you can do a whole hell of a lot worse than Marvin Jones. And I have him down for about 62 receptions for 874 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. So basically, I have him being Kenny Galladay just without the yards.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's a, it's pretty solid. Um, Marvin Jones is definitely one of those guys that can have a big game, out of, seemingly out of nowhere.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: Literally, just about half of his touchdowns came in one game last year. Yeah, almost half. That's crazy. You can't score half a touchdown. So basically, it is half. I mean, you can it's, score half a touchdown. It's not.
1: If you if you if you have one foot in and one foot out, it's half a touchdown. No, it's just out. The other half is out.
0: The, the NFL is a black and white system. It's either touchdown or no touchdown.
1: Oh, I apologize. I'm just I'm just learning the NFL. I've never I it. I've never watched it before.
0: It's like Judge Dread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T J. Hawkinson. T J. Hawkinson. Another one. Another weapon in this Detroit Lions offense. Matt, you know. Everybody thinks that the Lions are going to be so are not going to be good at all in 2020. And you look at the it's probably because of the defense cuz you look at the offense you're like this team looks like it has a lot of potential.
1: Yeah. And you and you would be shocked that to hear that Matt Patricia is actually a defensive coach. Yeah. I well, mean Well,
0: that's like people who are shocked to hear that Bill Belichick made his name as a defensive coordinator.
1: True true but but then you but then you realize that the New England Patriots had a motley crew of a defense last year and still were one of the top defenses around that's just what Bill yeah. Belichick does right would it shock anybody if even without uh Dante Hightower even without um Kyle Van Noy who who left in free agency would it shock anybody if the Patriots just come up and have a top five defense again? Not really. No, it wouldn't shock me either.
0: When they got to the suit, they got to a super bowl with the last ranked defense in the NFL. It's true. Very, very, very true. Uh, As with TJ
1: Hawkinson, uh, this is a guy that I've breakout just written all over him. Um, Again, we're talking about the position previews in a couple weeks, and then we'll get to tight ends and tight end is a very interesting position this year because last year, I feel like we were talking about so much that tight end was just a position that if you didn't get one of the top guys, you were screwed at the position. And it didn't turn out to be that way because you had Mark Andrews, you know, pop out. You had Darren Waller pop out. You had Noah Fant towards the end of the season really start to perform until he got injured. Um, you have all these tight ends now. That are going later in draft, where it really does become a massive, massive debate as to who you, what you would rather do. Would you rather go and spend a second, third, or fourth round pick on a guy like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, and then even more so, you know, fifth, sixth round pick on a guy like Darren Waller or Mark Andrews, or would you rather wait for guys like Noah Fant, guys like T.J. Hawkinson? Guys, potentially like Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, Hayden Hurst—you know the kind of sleeper tight ends that could potentially re- return some really, really nice value—and I think that's a really interesting conversation. What about that, Austin Hooper? It, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not crazy about Austin Hooper, but some people are. Some people are. I mean, it basically be a really interesting conversation that we'll have to have when we talk about the uh, the tight ends in uh, in a couple weeks. But as for now, with uh, with T.J. Hawkinson. I have him down for 60 receptions for 646 receiving yards, five touchdowns, so a very, very solid season from T.J. Hawkinson. But again, he can outperform those those uh, those projections 100%. And I, I again, I said if there's any one of those guys out of all those tight ends that I really, really like, Hayden Hurst is one, Mike Kosicki is another, and T.J. Hawkinson is another one as well that I really, really, really like.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, are one, are in lockstep with your thinking here. They really expect big things for uh, T.G. Hawkinson coming in to 2020. Just going by how pretty good he was last year and how great he was when he was at the University of Iowa. Yeah. Which is basically a tight end factory. Yes, it is.
1: Him and him and Noah Fant. And George Kittle. And George Kittle. Yeah, true. True. I I completely didn't
0: think of that. True. Very good point. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. This is this team is one of those teams where it's they they had a great year last year, pretty easy schedule if you and I don't know if they got worse necessarily over the off season, but in the sense, but really, it's just the team is getting worse. Maybe you know what? Yeah, the team's getting worse. I think, personally, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting older. That contract in a couple of years is going to look like a complete albatross, a sort of Damocles, if you will, uh, hanging over the Green Bay Packers. The running back game is kind of a clusterfuck. Uh, there isn't really much depth behind Devonte Adams as far as the wide receivers are concerned, and the Packers didn't really do anything to uh, rectify that in the in the draft. And tight end, it's just like, cool. We have a uh, Jay Sternberger. Who the hell is he? Great name, by the way, but who? But who is he?
1: I mean, we'll start with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it, how, when if did you ever really expect to see that? Aaron Rodgers would basically be coming in as a borderline QB one. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that Aaron Rodgers has had this massive fall from grace, so to speak. And I mean, personally, I I still really like him, but the problem is, is that I think people, especially more novice fantasy players are going to see Aaron Rodgers and he's just going to be drafted way too high. Oh, for yeah. me to really go and invest in him. I think if you're in more of a uh, of a more committed fantasy league and you're playing with players that you know are heavily invested in fantasy, then, then you'll have a shot to get Aaron Rodgers at more of a discount. But if you're playing in, let's say, a more novice fantasy league, like a family league or anything like that. You're playing someone- with your
0: camp friends or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if you see if someone sees Aaron Rodgers and they're like a casual football watcher, but they see Aaron Rodgers there, then they're like, "Okay, Aaron Rodgers, all right, cool." I like Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think that his numbers are going to really translate to being an elite fantasy star. I think he's a solid option. I don't think he's a great option. I have him down for four thousand one hundred and sixty-two passing yards which comes out to 28 passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So at the end end of the day, I had Matthew Stafford throwing for more yards. I had Matthew Stafford throwing for a tad more touchdowns. I have Aaron Rodgers throwing less interceptions. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers is my QB 13 and Matthew Stafford is my QB 12. They are right next to each other. And I think they're going to have very similar numbers come 2020.
0: God, it's so crazy this year where we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford being back-to-back in fantasy quarterback rankings.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, e- even even when I did these projections, I, I, I will be honest with you, I had to do Aaron Rodgers twice because I, I, was, I was confused. I, I really was, but then I really looked full-scale at everything that this organization wants to do and are trying to do. And the projections make a ton of sense. They want to be a more run-balanced sort of team. Yeah, I still have Aaron Rodgers down for over 500 passing attempts, over 550 passing attempts. But at the end of the day, I think they are going to be much more balanced of an offense on a game-to-game basis. And
0: that does hurt Aaron Rodgers a tiny bit. Well, it's probably the first time in his career that the Premier Packers have had some semblance of a of a running game, more or less. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I think it's one of those situations where um, they're like, well, you know, we have these, we have good running backs, you might as well use them. But it, in the same vein, it's like you have a top, an arguably top five or especially top ten quarterback in the league in real world, in real football, and you're just not going to use him to his fullest potential. You know, people forget that Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. Yeah. Sure, he sat for uh, two years in Green Bay after he got drafted. So basically, he's in his age 34 season, quote unquote, because if you want to take those two years off, if you want to be generous in that sense. But still, the guy is almost four four years away from being 40. So the people that are expecting him to be the Aaron Rodgers of – 2018 or 2016 or 2015 that it's just not going to happen really yeah i agree with you or 2014 even also it's just not going to happen it's one of those situations where there are some players that you see you see guys that you're like oh i've heard of him i'm going to draft him i remember he was good you, keep, you bring up the Jamal Charles story a lot. That's a good example. It's a really good example, actually. Um, I think in 2013, after Doug Martin had his breakout in 2012, people were like, wow, I remember him last year. He's going to be really good. Um, Maurice Jones drew, I think later in his career, when he, was, uh, when he wasn't doing so, so well in Jacksonville, people were drafting him based on name value. Um, Things along those lines Players along those lines Rob Gronkowski Uh, this year Yes, Rob Gronkowski this year, of course
1: Yeah, it's it's a dangerous game But again, I'm okay with Aaron Rodgers If you're taking him in round 9, round 10 Sort of like that same range with Matthew Stafford But I'm not okay with taking him After you're taking the top 6 If you're taking Dak Kyler, Deshaun, Russell, Lamar, Mahomes. Yeah. In no particular order, by the way. I just had to mention Dak first because he's number one in my heart.
0: I was going to say it's in reverse reverse order. From Oh, Dak Prescott's my number three quarterback. Least, least to greatest.
1: You mean greatest to everybody else because Dak is the greatest.
0: Anyway, let's move on to the running backs here. And this is – some sort of situation, let me tell you. Um, wow. Aaron Jones is going to be the guy in this offense you'd hope. he You'd really hope. Just barely a 1,000-yard rusher in 2019 where he was uh, sharing carries with Jamal Williams. But now, you know, the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon – in the uh, in the second round so you're like what the hell is going on with the green bay packers here and what does this mean for Aaron Jones
1: I don't see it affecting Ar- Ar- Aaron Jones as much I mean the only thing that I really could see is that AJ Dillon maybe takes some carries and receptions away maybe some goal line work but at the end of the day I have AJ Dillon down for less than 100 carries I have him down for 90 and his touchdowns I only have him getting two touchdowns so at the end of the day I don't really see this affecting Aaron Jones all that much but it does take away some of his appeal you mentioned adam that he was barely a thousand yard rusher last year i don't have him as a thousand yard rusher this season i have him right now at 956 rushing yards i do have him down for double the touchdowns i have him down for 10 touchdowns and the receptions i have him at 44 receptions for 352 receiving yards. So at the end of the day, and two touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns, I apologize. So at the end of the day, I have Aaron Jones down for 12 total touchdowns, and based on those projections, he should be
0: a RB1. Yep. Well, the interesting thing also, um, the nice thing about this is that I think Jamal Williams will still have a presence in this offense because A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams aren't really the same kind of running back when you look at them. Jamal Williams is more of the, like, the change of pace, third down, passing down, running back. And uh, A.J. Dillon reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. So yeah, um, that's kind of an interesting play here. But I don't know. Is Aaron Jones really the only running back you're looking at in this offense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm I am not that.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in AJ Dillon. The only way that I'm interested in AJ Dillon for this year is if you do own Aaron Jones. I would make sure you go out of your way to make sure you have AJ Dillon, but I think standalone value, I don't think AJ Dillon has that appeal if you're in a deeper league, I can kind of see it and maybe you want to you want to fuck up the Aaron Jones owner that doesn't have the handcuff then maybe i could see you making a play for AJ Dillon but in terms of someone that is going to crack your lineup AJ Dillon is not doing that unless Aaron Jones is out with an injury
0: yeah well this is going to be a more fun segment we're talking about wide receivers your 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 boy Devontae, my boy. Ad- Devontae adams you mean you mean my son yes Talk about Devontae Adams, please.
1: How I mean, amazing what, he is. What is there to really? What can I potentially say further about Devontae Adams? He's got the second easiest strength of schedule for receivers this year, of course, after Allen Robinson, and it really comes down to the opponents that he's playing within his own division. There are just not a lot of top-tier corners left in the NFC North. And it helps, too, that he is the number one in that offense. No questions asked. Look at Devontae Adams. This is a guy that just bleeds consistency. It's, it's just
0: crazy. His only competition really opted out. Sorry for interrupting you. But no, you're his good. only competition opted out of the season. True. Yeah. Devin Funchess is not going to be playing in 2020.
1: Right. Right. So. And, really, and really, you're going to rely now on uh, – on MVS to step up and be, and be the number two, eh, eh, mm, kind of, not really. Um, I mean, you look at his numbers in, in 12 games last year, a lot of what happened for Devontae Adams, really, really, his, his season took off after he came back from that four week layoff. It, and then after his buy, I mean, he just was, he's the Devontae Adams that we all, we all know and love. You take out, the disaster of a game that he had against Washington, where he had four for 41 after his buy in week 11, seven 43 and a touchdown. That's good enough for 15 point threshold. What I'm after and PPR for any receiver six for 64 and two touchdowns against the giants. That's money. Seven for one Oh three and a touchdown against the bears. That's money. 13 for 116. That's money against the Vikings in the, in the fantasy playoffs. And then, seven for 93 and a touchdown week 17 against the Lions and some people's week, 16, week 17 finals, that's money as well. I mean, Devontae Adams, he is captain consistent. I mean, I don't think – there was a saying that I used to say when I had Antonio Brown where, in PPR especially, where if you have Antonio Brown, you sleep very well at night because you know that this is a guy that can have 12 catches and a half and people and no way would be surprised. It's kind of the same thing with Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams can have 10, 11 catches in a game and no one would be shocked. And you sleep so well at night knowing that you have Devontae Adams, who is a lock every single week for either six catches, 65 yards, or a touchdown. He's getting two of those every single week. That's just who he is. That's what he does. And that's why I love him. And I have him down for a... Monster, monster season. The only I just couldn't put him above Michael Thomas. But if I if there's anybody that I would, it is Devontae Adams. I have him down for a hundred and nine receptions for 1,337 receiving yards and ten touchdowns. I think Devontae Adams is in for a massive, massive season. And really the question, and we'll talk about this when we get to our wide receiver preview. Is I'm I'm I really want to have uh, guests on for all of those episodes just to get their takes because you know we've been regurgitating all these player previews and everything like that uh, about all these players. So really, what I want to do for those division those uh, position previews is I want to get different voices on so that we can talk to them, engage their views about certain players and different positions, things like that. And one of the conversations that I really want to have between adam myself and guest is would you rather have in different formats maybe not so much ppr because ppr we all know michael thomas is the guy but in non-ppr you could make a very good case that Devonte adams is your number one receiver over michael thomas in half ppr you could make a case that Devonte adams is your number one receiver over michael thomas And that's a conversation that I would love to have with somebody because, honestly, I could see it. PPR, I don't see it. But in half and non, I 100% can.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. This is the – I mean, he's a guy that just gets the ball. It's flat out. There's nothing – you know, you can't sugarcoat it, you can't – say you can't twist any words that's just it this is what he does he's the number one in the packers offense and there's no doubt about it what about the other receivers here uh jay kumaro alan lazard mvs if i had to pick one i would say alan lazard if i had to second half of 2019
1: yeah Yeah, he did If, if i had to pick one out of out of those i would say alan lazard um i am actually very interested in Jay Sternberger as a late tight end sleeper, I think he can be someone that potentially returns some sort of value for you. I would only be taking him in 12 team leagues and deeper. Um, But I think in terms of someone that can return, return really nice value, I think Jay Sternberger can be that guy. Obviously he's on the, uh, the reserve uh, COVID-19 list. So we have to wait to see what his, Potential prospects do hold. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Jay Sternberger, who's going right now ADP 229, going as the tight end 28. I have him as my tight end twenty three. I like him. I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's good value for a guy that's a potential breakout candidate. Yeah, absolutely. And then other I mean, otherwise, the Packers tight ends aren't really too inspiring. Yo, no, no, uh, they're not. Mercedes Lewis has basically been in the game forever, it seems like. Yeah. And uh, he's the other option at tight end. But the the player with more upside here is definitely Sternberger.
1: No questions asked.
0: All right. Last but not least, the Minnesota Vikings, the team that will most likely be battling the Packers for the NFC North title heading into 2020. Kirk Cousins is one of those guys where he is a he is a middle of the road fantasy option i some would say harshly you could say he's mediocre and i would i would buy that i as a jets unimpressively fan unimpressively impressive yes as a jets fan i if the jets had actually signed kirk cousins i'd probably be kicking myself every single week because he's one of those guys that sure he does well, but in big moments and against teams with winning with winning records, can't do it. He's got nothing. That's the meme. Can't yeah, he can't beat a team over five
1: hundred. Yeah, he, he he did beat Dallas in, in yeah. prime time. I'll give him that.
0: Yes. But this is a this is a team that um, is a run heavy offense. We will talk about Dalvin Cook in a second. But this is a team that is a run-heavy offense that just traded away their number one wide receiver in the offseason or number two wide receiver, 1B to Adam Thielen's 1A to the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is just, I don't know. I'm not really too high on him. Yeah, I mean, I
1: look at Kirk Cousins again, Adam, You 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 said it right away. This is a run-first team, and I expect to stay that way. And the projections I have for Kirk Cousins, they are uninspiring at best. I have him just under 500 pass attempts. I have him at 496, which equates to 3,833 passing yards. I have him down for 24 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I gave him a rushing touchdown. So at the end of the day... Kirk Cousins is a solid middle of the road QB two. He's a high floor, low ceiling kind of uh, investment. If you're looking for someone really, really, really safe, that's what Kirk Cousins is.
0: Yeah, I mean personally, I I'm not looking for him unless it's like a bi week fill in. You're not a guy. He's not like a like a starter every single week sort of guy. I think he's match matchup dependent. Certainly, if he's going up against a terrible team, yeah. I, I look.
1: I think again. I've said it that I'm taking two quarterbacks in every single league this year. I would guarantee you that Kirk Cousins is a guy that I look at as someone that is uber, uber, uber safe. It's a good, he's a good backup. He's yes,
0: definitely a good backup
1: as a QB two. Absolutely to back up someone like a Ben Roethlisberger or an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Matthew Stafford. He's a
0: fantastic backup. Absolutely. 100%. Definitely. 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 All right. Moving on to the running backs. Oh boy. Delvin cook. This is one of those things that where our show can be dated in an instance, depending on what goes on with Delvin cook. But I mean, who the hell is doing business at two o'clock on a Friday? Who's negotiating contracts at two o'clock on a Friday, but um in in august no less but dalvin cook this is one of those things where if dalvin cook is there he's happy he has a contract he is a top he is a top five running back in the nfl top 10 running back definitely in the nfl yeah
1: top five top five i would say
0: yeah yeah i'd say top five uh he had i mean especially if he doesn't deal with any injuries which he, which has really kind of uh, been his downfall for a couple of years. We had he had the devastating ACL injury his rookie year, and then the curse of the hamstring in 2018. Last year he was pretty good, and with the Vikings leaning more towards run, towards the running game again, then that means uh, either equal or better. Performances from Dalvin Cook if he stay, if he stays healthy.
1: I think this is a, outside of McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke. This is the safest running back that you're going to draft in fantasy this year. I truly believe that if he if he is healthy, you know what you're getting out a Dalvin Cook. You're getting a volume guy that's going to catch a ton of passes and he's going to get you a ton of touchdowns. I think he. You can make a case right now, and I, I, I have him as my RB4. I'll, I'll say it. I, have, I do have him higher than Alvin Kamara, and I love Dalvin Cook this year. I really, really do. I have him down for 265 carries for 1,156 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns with 65 catches. 557 receiving yards and three rushing touchdowns. So at the end of the day, we're talking 13 total touchdowns, 14 total touchdowns for Dalvin cook locked and loaded as the number four running back for my rankings. And I think if you're, if you're in a draft and you're sitting there, number four, number five, and you're not necessarily sure if you want to take Michael Thomas. You don't. You don't know. You know what the future really holds with that. You know you don't trust Drew Brees. Whatever. And you want to take Dalvin Cook? You go for it. You take. You take Dalvin Cook. But again, you better make sure you handcuff yourself with Alexander Madison. I don't see Alexander Madison having standalone value. But you better make sure you handcuff Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this you definitely have to take into account when you're drafting that what his contract situation is. I'm, I mean, you don't have to go like write a research paper, like go deep into encyclopedias, reaching out to sources, looking into it because you don't want to look at, you, don't have, you don't have to be in a situation where you have like egg on your face. Cause you drafted Dalvin cook. Uh, in the, I talked first round.
1: I, yeah. I talked to, uh, to a source of mine that, is pretty close connected with the Vikings, and basically, uh, Dalvin Cook is prepared to play because he understands that a holdout right now um, really does him no good. So yeah. he's pre- he's prepared to play. Well, then... so I, I would say there's zero there's zero contractual risk uh, involved in terms of fantasy perspective. There's no risk of any holdout with Dalvin Cook.
0: Well, with that in mind, then yeah, keep our our advice stands <laughs> draft Alvin cook. When you can, he's great. He's great. is he's, he's a great player in this offense and going on to wide receiver. And this is fun. Uh, basically it seems like every team in the NFC North, it's just one receiver and then everybody else. Yep. All right. And the one receiver here is Adam Thielen who now no longer has to uh, have any competition for his targets with Stefan Diggs. And really, if he's anything like he was in uh, 2018, where he didn't have any injuries or anything like that, where he was an absolute stud, then yeah. Alvin, Adam Thielen is one of those guys who you could be looking at in the uh, middle of the second round or even the end of the second round as a as a wide receiver if you uh, draft a running back in the first or if you have the uh, the turn at the end of the second round. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his ADP
1: right now, he's going 33 overall, so basically you're able to get him in the early part of the third, which I think is, is a great spot for, for Adam Thielen. I like him a little bit more than that. I have him down right now as my wide as my wide receiver 10 so basically he is a he is penciled in as a wide receiver one I think his numbers will equate to that you no know, Stefan Diggs, there are a ton of targets to to go around in that Minnesota offense and I think a lot of them are going to go to Adam Thielen yeah health is obviously going to be a question for him after playing in only 10 games last year but you look at the previous five seasons he's played in 16 games all of those seasons This guy's locked and loaded to be another 1,000-yard receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Wide receiver 10 is, I think, the perfect spot for him. I think the ceiling is is great. I think his floor is absolutely excellent. And he's one of the safer receivers to take in fantasy football. I've never owned Adam Thielen. And this is the year that I might try and do what I have to do to make sure that I get him in at least one league. I have him down – for 85 receptions, for 1,103 receiving yards, and eight receiving touchdowns. I think we're in a, for a phenomenal year from Adam Thielen.
0: Yeah. I had him in his uh, wonderful year of 2018. And it, let me tell you, that year was wonderful that season. Yeah. Of him. Yep. Yeah. Lo- locked and loaded. You
1: could plug him in every single week and know that he was going to produce.
0: That was the one spot in my roster that I literally never touched. And yeah. It, well, unless he was on bye, of course. That was the only yes. time that I took him out of my team. Yes. And especially since his only competition is a rookie and at risk of repeating ourselves, rookies are at a big disadvantage going into this season.
1: Yep. So. Yeah, and Justin Justin Jefferson I have down for 55 receptions for 723 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. So I think as a, as a PBR flex, I think he's fine certain weeks. Um, but I'm not really willing to rely on him heavily.
0: Yep. Okay, moving on. Finishing out here with the tight ends and Kyle Rudolph. Yep. Kyle Rudolph is is one of those guys that kind of uh, has. He was very. He was very good. He has a good past on him. You. He, he's done well uh, previously in his career, but I think he's fallen off a bit in these uh, past couple of years as a tight end where he was one of those guys where in years past, the tight end position has been so thin that Kyle Rudolph was like one of the better options of the lesser tier of tight ends. But now that there are so many options at tight end, I'm not crazy about him anymore. Now there's so many choices. I just, I'm just not interested.
1: Yeah, no, he's my, he's my tight end 30. I just don't have really much interest in Kyle Rudolph, unless you want to stream him on Thanksgiving, then you can go ahead and do that given Kyle Rudolph always scores a touchdown on Thanksgiving against the Lions and or or against anybody that he plays on Thanksgiving, really, if he is playing on Thanksgiving this year, which I don't think is he's not.
0: Uh, I can check that right now.
1: I don't think he's playing on Thanksgiving. It's the Bears and the Lions, the Cowboys and the Washington team, and the Steelers and the Ravens, I believe. Yes. Yeah, Bears, Lions, T- Cowboys, oh, Texans, Lions, Texans, Lions. Yes, that was the one. Texans, uh, Lions, Cowboys football team, and Ravens, Steelers, Steelers Ravens. Yes, yep. okay. So yeah, Kyle Rudolph, you won't be able to stream on Thanksgiving. So yeah, then Kyle Rudolph is is effectively useless in fantasy. I have him down for thirty five receptions, for four hundred and two receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. So
0: surprised so it's the Texans and the and the Lions because usually it's the uh, the bears and the lions that play on Thanksgiving. Yep. But
1: uh, the times they are training.
0: Yes. But otherwise that's really it. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on? No, I think we are. Uh, we're done. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the basement talk podcast, fantasy show. You can find all shows under the basement talk podcast umbrella on Apple podcast and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Please leave us a five-star review and comment on your thoughts on this episode and your thoughts on all of the teams that, and players that we have talked about thus far. Next week, we will be dealing with the AFC and the NFC West. Uh, Which one are we going for first bird? AFC West, sir. Okay. Next week, it will be the AFC West in the beginning of the week. And then we will be finishing this mini series that we have going on here with the NFC West later in the week for my co-host ed birdsall i'm adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time on the basic talk podcast fancy show bye-bye